Hey humans, how's it going? Susan Ruth here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hey Human Podcast. This is episode 170. I sat down with Danielle Dickens and her story is one of survival, determination, um, moxie, a willingness to not give up, basically all the stuff you see on the inspirational posters in the office. She went through some stuff, uh, got to the other side, and is, is still getting to the other side. Uh, I met her randomly one evening, and she and I started chatting, and as she told me her story, I thought, my gosh, I've got to have you on the show, because it was just, it was so intriguing to me. And so she came over here and uh, we sat down here in Los Angeles and had a chat and really lovely woman and beautiful, strong uh, and smart and just, I'm really happy that things are going the way they're going for her. Um, We talk about a lot of stuff, obviously, as is often on this show that uh, I put on the links page on heyhumanpodcast.com. Definitely check that out, including some cool videos that I think you will like. I don't want to give too much away, but some of this story involves pole dancing. In fact, a lot of this story involves pole dancing. And little known fact, I took pole dancing lessons once, and there's a picture to prove it. And I will post that picture on Instagram on Hey Human Podcast, and I'll stick it on the Hey Human Podcast Facebook page as well, because it's pretty funny. Yeah, usual stuff, as I mentioned, social media. You can email me, Susan, at heyhumanpodcast.com. This is an ad-free podcast, so if you shop Amazon and do so through the Amazon portal on the front of the Hey Human Podcast website, you help support Hey Human by shopping at Amazon through that portal. They uh, kick back a little bit toward the show, so which is really cool. Uh, anything else in other news? Oh, uh, you can rate and review Hey Human on iTunes, and uh, you can see more about me at SusanRuth.com. If you dig music and you want to hear some of the music that I have done and albums I've put out over the years, you can check that out on iTunes under Susan Ruth. I think that's pretty much it. Some really uh, cool shows coming up. Uh, In fact, later today, I'm sitting down with a guy uh, who was instrumental in ending the draft in Vietnam. So that's a big deal. Um, I'm really excited for that conversation, as I am for all these conversations. I'm so lucky that I get to do this. Okay. um, Yeah. Thanks for listening. And here we go. Hi, Danielle Dickens. Hi, Susan. How are you? <laughs> I'm well. Welcome to Hey Human. Hey. <laughs> Thank you for coming over. Definitely. So we met uh, in a, just by accident one night, and you started telling me your life story a little bit, as, yeah. which was great. And yeah. I thought, oh my gosh, you would be wonderful to have on the show. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank yeah. you for having me. Let's go back to... Um, what you remember of that fateful night or day? Was it day or night? It was a night thing. It was nighttime. It was a night thing, yes. So um, in order to get to that story, I always love to talk about the background leading up to it because yes. it's something that literally changed my life forever. Um, I, I have a, a background in entertainment. I went to Hollywood High School. Um, my goal was to travel the world and, and be a great choreographer and, and work with artists. 
Um, and then a couple years later, out of school training, um, I had a major, major car accident. Um, and it also at that time, I was working with kids, um, preschoolers, you know, <laughs> running around yeah. and picking them up and bending. So pretty much everything about my life was physical. And you were teaching dance as well as mm -hmm. choreography mm -hmm. as well. And, and you were very successful. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And um, I love it with a passion. Um, so the, the day that I remember, I was coming home. It was Thanksgiving. It was actually the day before Thanksgiving of 2005. And I was crossing a street. And all I remember was it being a two-car lane. And I blacked out. I woke up on the ground, kind of disorientated, didn't know what was going on. I, I, I wasn't even feeling the pain yet. And then I blacked out again. And then I remember being put into the ambulance. And it's so crazy because I remember screaming for my mom. Mom, where are you, Mom? And how old were you? Um, about 24. About tw I would be 25 like that December, so mm. I was about 24. And when you say you blacked out, you mean on impact you blacked out? You don't mean that you blacked out and then impact? No. It's it, like was you a, it was almost, and every time I talk about this, this specific situation, I feel like God saved my mental. And the reason why is because I don't even remember being hit. It was like you got sucked out for a second? Yes. And just woke up like, oh, wow, I'm on the ground. Um, so obviously the impact was so forceful that when I when I did get hit, again, he, he, I blacked out. I didn't feel anything. I didn't see anything. Um, and then I got rolled into the hospital. I do remember them asking me my number. I did remember that. And it blacked out again. So I was in and out of, of consciousness. And then uh, the next day, uh, the doctor came in and says, hey, how are you feeling, Danielle? I said, I'm fine. I'm ready to go. He's like, well, fortunately, I got to let you know uh, you broke both of your legs. And at first, I kind of laughed. and was like, wait, what do you mean? I don't tell a dancer that. Like, no, seriously. And then he's like, no, Danielle, you, your legs, both of them are broke. Because I didn't have a cast on. Um, the night that they wrote me in, I went straight to ER and they actually did emergency surgery. And they put metal rods um, in my right femur because I broke that leg on impact. And then another metal rod in my tibia, which broke in two places when I hit the ground. Um, so I remember waking up in the hospital, he told me that, and it was just one of those moments of like, what am I gonna do now? Like everything about my life was a physical aspect. And so now I have to think of like, I'm already in the bed, like still in the hospital thinking like, oh my God, my future, what am I gonna do now? Like, what do I have to start? Where do I start? Um, I stayed in the hospital for two weeks. Um, and in that case, they tried to do therapy for me, you know, to get out the bed and walk in the walker. But I mean, I wasn't even able to even stand let alone on a walker um, and I needed assistance with everything um, so um, after the two weeks they let me go I went home and that's really when the mental started I got into physical therapy and luckily because I was a dancer my body had muscle memory um, a lot of the things that they were telling me to do in therapy I was already doing like uh, uh, succeeding at and so they were like well Danielle we're gonna give you this paper and you know you just go home and you sit down and just you know take care of it so in my mind I'm like oh great so now I have to do this on my own 
So, um, but, was, now, do you, did you remember at this point the uh, accident at all? Had any of it come back to you? And did they catch who did it? Well, to this day, again, those blackout moments, I feel like a sad saving because I feel like if I would have seen the car coming at me with impact and maybe braced myself, you you know, hurt, I would have yeah. been hurt more, mm. possibly mm. killed. Um, and I think because of that, I know that when people get in a car accident, if they're a little bit limber and they're not braced, you know, you your body has a little more limpocy to take it. So I think that's what happened. Um, now, so far as the person that was driving the car, this is the craziest thing. They did stop. Um, and the police did get their information. Unfortunately, they did not have any insurance. Oh. They had just purchased the car, um, which was in her boyfriend's uh, name. Um, and she gave false information. So I didn't find this out until later on after I was getting the lawyers involved in the insurance situation. Um, so there was no arrest. Um, I did eventually take them to court. Um the guy which was a doctor he lived out here in Agoura Hills in Ventura um he had you know homes and, and businesses but what I found out was prior to that November that it happened in April he had went to federal prison he was um I guess he was prescribing um you know pills to people illegally and so that's what they would call him on and I'm assuming between April or even prior to that all of his assets he transferred out to someone else's name or sold them. So when I did end up going to court, um, I was able to get a, a default judgment of over a million and a half dollars. Um, but being that he had no assets and she literally had no assets, it was really a lost case. So I ended up getting a judgment lawyer who uh, is kind of like a private investigator to search for assets anywhere in certain cities. Um, and he still couldn't find anything. So it just got to the point where I would have had to just pretty much put a lien on their name in each county and, and hope and pray that if they decide to purchase something major, you know, I'll be the first to be rewarded for that. So I still have that that on my case. Um, and, you know, we'll see if in time something like that happens and I get blessed with a beautiful fun from the from that situation but it changed my life because it was a moment where I had to be still I was always a um, studious person love reading love school love education and then it got to a point when I was like 19 I'm just like I want to go out and, and party and, and be a teen and and grow and then I think at that stage maybe the Lord's like no I got more things um, that I want you to succeed and do and I really felt like that was like a pause moment for me too i'm always curious with people who have a, a deep faith when something like this happens do you do you have a moment where you're mad at god or do you hmm. feel like you know what i mean is it hmm. um yeah i mean there was a moment of of mental and emotional um why and this is really just in the beginning, like my life, like this is all I wanted to do was dance. And it's crazy that that happened when something that I needed the most for my career, obviously I wouldn't be able to do anymore. Um, and I've always had faith, you know, I, I believe in God and I know there's a higher power. And my goal really actually to, to walk again was just wearing heels. 
not knowing if I was or if I was going to have a limp or even still be considered disabled. But my mental was so focused and determined to use that as the goal to end to be able to walk again. So I started off in a wheelchair. I was in a wheelchair for about a year and a half. Yeah, a year and a half. Um, and then I slowly but surely got to um, a walker. And there would be times that um, I would walk to the store like that was like a block and a half by down the street from my house and that was my therapy as well like just to get out the house not sit in the bed not feel sorry for the circumstances and um I didn't care about judgment like hey if you're not over here helping me like I don't want to hear you saying oh what are you doing um did that, you have a lot of people trying to tell you to chill out like you know you you need to take it more easy yeah family friends because I've, I'm, I'm like I can't sit still <laughs> I'm always doing something it's like oh I gotta go do this and I'm moving around so again that just being still was really hard for me to accept that I have to just be still and then it got to me walking on uh, crutches and then I got to walking on a cane and then the last resort was pretty much walking but with a limp and then by that time I started to work again because I was like oh I can't just sit in the house and do nothing so um, I ended up getting a, a management job at a hair salon it was so funny because what I would do is I would wear flip-flops and I was on the bus at the time I would wear flip-flops walk to the bus stop walk to get to work and then when I sit down in front of the reception desk, I would put my heels on <laughs> and I felt special. <laughs> so that was my that was my whole routine. Um, and so far as the physicalness, um, I did everything. I, since being always active, I would I was always a gym person. You know, I, I love hiking and everything when it comes to just moving your body. But I, I had a plateau. Like I felt like those things weren't um, making me stronger. So one day I was watching just YouTube randomly and I seen this pole fitness competition and I was already amazed by this, the fact that there's a competition of people being on the pole compared to what the stigma about it is. And then to see it being national and regional and people winning, you know, money and trophies for this. I'm like, oh, I'm, I want to try that. Plus, I seen how strong that the the, the artist body was, like mm, legs, the core, core, and arm is so much work. So I remember taking a pole class and this is a little bit more later on after I was able to still walk, but I still needed some therapy. I couldn't effect effectively bend or squat, if you would say. Um, and it was weird because I couldn't bend on one leg, but then I couldn't sit a certain way on another leg. So I was just always mm. off. And like for me, having this metal rods in me, it, it from another person who doesn't have it, like I didn't feel normal. Mm. I just felt like odd and off all the time. So I did take up the class and I fell in love with it. I mean, my leg strength increased, my core strength increased, the ability to lift myself that I was doing that already. And because, you know, getting out the wheelchair and moving my body. So arm strength was just immaculate. And then um, as I started to do more and more classes, I ended up just purchasing a pole at my own home. And that's when I really got into it because I could do it on my own time. And then um, I actually was went back into the childcare field. And more of it, I was missing it. And I was like, well, let me see now that I'm a little bit better if I can maneuver around. And I tried it and I was like, oh, no, maybe I can't do this. 
So I did um, quit working with kids and I was left thinking to myself, okay, well, what am I going to do now? So um, as I was polling, a lot of people um, would uh, have parties and events and needed dancers and like go-go dancers and burlesque dancers. And so I was like, oh my God, I think I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to start a booking company as well as uh, start my own pole fitness company called Dynasty Pole Fitness. And what happens is instead of having to go to the class, maybe it's your first time as a beginner or maybe you don't feel confident in your body, you know, if you do a private session, it costs a lot of money. So I wanted to take that stigma and that feeling of insecurity out of the studio with everybody there to just have a one-on-one -on -one and be more practical and hands-on with the clients and um, teach them so that was working very well and I was so happy um, I had lots of um, bookings for um, teaching and pole parties and events like that so I was happy like okay now I'm, I'm an entertainment um, mogul and I have a, a, a fitness uh business and things are going well and then um up until uh, 2017 i got a call that changed my perspective of life going forward in my future um my mom had a massive heart attack um she was only 54 and for six months she was in um i would say life support mm. And in that, during that six-month period, um, we didn't know if she was going to make it. The doctor said that she's in a vegetative state. Um, we would go as much as we can to talk to her. And because um, they say that even if a person is um, unconscious, like they can hear you. So I was blessed that I was able to at least tell her how much I loved her and how much I cared about her. And that we want you to win and succeed, mom. And we want you to be better. Unfortunately, that day came where... She, she didn't get better, um, and so we took her off life support, and that was on 4th of July of 2017. Mm. And so that night, around 9 o'clock, um, the fireworks were going, and I just got to an amazing event, and I, and I got a call, because I've never gotten a call from the hospital at night. It was always like an afternoon or daytime, maybe in the morning. Um, they called and said, you know, your mom has passed. I broke down cried and it was like okay I just got married I have no kids you know I'm in that stage of life where I'm going to need my mom's advice and what to do as a woman and growing and it really really made me think about my future um and the hardest part of it all was that um family was taking care of her my aunt unfortunately we thought that they had everything in order, you know, um, insurance coverage, you know, medical situations. And we found out that she didn't have any coverage. So we had to come out of pocket, which was very detrimental to me to make me feel like, oh, my God, I would not want this pain on nobody. One, having the car accident I've had, let alone also having to deal with losing their mom. Um, six months later, we went to go check on my stepdad. At his house and we found him gone too mm, i'm so sorry tough a year it was a very tough years for me and i will say that in that transition of me going through the pain and dealing with it 
my husband's cousin invited me to um, see a business presentation. And what I loved about um, that is that he always knew that me and my husband are very ambitious, entrepreneur minded. Um, obviously, he worked in the music and the production industry and I have my own company. So we went to a presentation for an amazing company. Um, and when I went there, like everything about it helped me heal. I was able to turn what was about to be going left, meaning I don't care about this industry anymore. I, I don't want to do anything anymore. I was very depressed. Um, I would cry, wake up. Oh my gosh, I have that moment. Yeah, Every time I talk about right her, now, of course. it gets emotional. Take your time. So... Yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a lot of stuff. I mean, you have uh, experienced what many people, ha I mean, thing after thing after thing. Many people maybe have right. one thing in their life. Right. And, uh, compounded thing after thing. Right, right. And a lot of people always ask me, like, how do you stay so positive and so optimistic? I've always been a very positive person. And I felt like in these progresses that like what doesn't kill you, as they say, makes you stronger. Mm. So I always try to see the positive aspects of things. Um, and it was her time to go. And I just was able to just accept it. You know, I was more there for my brothers. I have three brothers. I'm the only girl. You know, just all those things just went to my head. Like, oh, my God. Well, when I get older and if I something happens to me, like, who's going to be there for me? And my, my husband's older than me, so I know I'm going to be taking care of him. But me, myself, um, it was just mind-boggling, the experience. Um, Where are you in the birth order? I'm the middle child. Ah, uh, okay. So middle I have a younger child. brother and I have a um, six-month-older brother for my stepdad, stepbrother, and then my older brother. Uh, he'll be, what, 40 this year? Yeah. How did your siblings adjust to the death in the families and your accident and everything? And, and I'm curious, too, as you said, um, pole dancing and, and pole athleticism, that tends to come with a stigma. Yeah. I think it's less now because people yeah, do see athleticism it, of yeah. it. But um, how did your family wrap their heads around that at first? Um, they, of course, didn't understand. Like, um, what are you doing? Um, okay. Um, but I think because I've always been very, like, goal-driven and um, independent and responsible about things, like, they knew that if I got, some, got into something, like... I'm going to make the best out of it. Um, so, of course, it was a little sketchy. But then when I would show them videos of, like, the conferences and, um, like, the, the regionals and all of that, they kind of was like, okay, Danielle, we'll rock with you. We'll support it. Um, and I've, then I've watched some of those videos. Mm -hmm. um, and it's incredible it is what these what these people can do and they realize it's, it's practice it's practice just like any other field yeah it's it's work but it looks like an olympic sport yeah, to me. but you know what's so crazy <laughs> it's actually gonna become an olympic sport really uh -huh, by 2024 that doesn't like surprise me because as when you're watching people at the top of their game like that and the amount of strength, the core strength alone, blows yeah. my mind. Yeah. But and I've taken a pole class. Uh -huh. uh, I thought it'd be fun. I was covered in bruises. <laughs> it was super fun. But what I really appreciated about it was that everyone in the room. There was about eight of us taking this class, and all different shapes and sizes. Yeah. 
And I, I think especially for women, body image is such a huge thing from the get-go. And there, that's the sensuality of of the movement, mm-hmm. but on top of it, the the feeling really in your body, you have to have such incredible control of your body that I think it changes your relationship to your body. It does. It does. I mean, because just imagine again, like we said, when it comes to our diversities and shapes and sizes, going in there, I mean, when you see someone be able to do the turns and invert, you're like, I'll never be able to <laughs> do that. Um, we call the bruises, you know, bruises of like you know um what is that where we say like um you're proud of your bruises like yeah. as much as it sounds crazy no, yeah. because that means it shows that you're, you're working you're doing something yeah. and from that transition of just doing it it worked for me i and because i had a, a entertainment background i've danced i was on stage doing performing arts i picked it up very well and a lot of other dancers, as well as people, wanted me to train them just because it was a more um, sensual way of expressing themselves. So here's the thing about the industry itself. Pole fitness history really started in China and India. Mm-hmm. It was a male sport. Fascinating. Yes. And it really wasn't until maybe like the 1920s, 30s, where um, the army or like the... Um, uh, military would set up these bonkers with um, tents with the poles in it mm-hmm. and they would just have girls dancing and hanging out but the girls would start hanging on the pole and go around mm-hmm. it and so that's where the stigma of the gentleman's part of the club and the pole came together but prior to that it's always been a man's sport prior to that um, and then what's crazy is that there's lots of celebrities that you would not know, but they do pull for their fitness, like Serena Williams. She was one of them who, after she had her daughter, um, again, she's an athletic person. I mean, I don't know that there's a better she, body. <laughs> she's she so strong. <laughs> to, to get herself back together. I know J-Lo has just recently do a, done a movie called Hustle um, with Cardi B in it, and, and she was telling us how she had to work her, her body, and it changed it. As you see her now, she looks so incredible, mm. And that's what it is. Because what happens is, if you're just going to the gym, you're working certain things at a time. But when it comes to pole fitness, you're working your whole body at the same time. So a lot of things that you won't get in the gym are just randomly doing something, you will only get there. So I would say for a person, instead of having six months and then in a gym and then you see the results, probably taking pole for about two to three months, you'll see more results than going to the gym. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Are you still teaching? I do every now and then, but there's been some things with my accident that has affected me being able to really do things. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have those days where if I bend a certain way, my leg will pop out of place. And I know it sounds crazy, but it does. And I have to kind of just sit where I can't like how I'm bending it now. It won't bend back out. So I have to sit, let it the swell go down and then pop it back into place. And that's something you'll have to deal with forever. For the rest of my life. And even they say the rods, I can take them out. But it's like me having to start all over again. I don't know. It's a 50-50. Will I be walking? Am I going to be better or not? So I I didn't want to take those chances. You're so lucky your head didn't get smashed. That is true. I got some scars and stuff, but you know. Oh, I would never know. Made it stronger, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Never would see them. (laughs) Yeah, so... um, 
again, like I was saying, after the my mom's passing, I was aligned with a um, a firm, a financial services firm, and what we do there is we basically help families become financially independent when it comes to um, coverage for insurance, retirement planning, savings, investments. Um, everything that you possibly need to secure yourself financially. And I think it's an important thing. My parent, my brother and I just recently went through this with our parents. Mm. And firstly, nobody wants to think about their death. Nobody Mm. wants to, you know, think that, oh, wait, I'm not immortal. I did not realize that. And there's a lot to be taken care of. And, uh, you know, you got to get that done because should you pass away, God forbid, and it's, as you were mentioning, it's not taken care of. It's a burden on the family. It's also the government gets to step in. There's all sorts of things that happen. And what's crazy is the, the day that I had my car accident, I just got, I say, three months into my, the, um, school that I was working at. So I got the papers for insurance, you know, for health insurance. And I'm all happy that Monday and then that Wednesday the car accident happened. So but you weren't covered yet because of the window. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that window thing frustrates me as well. It did. So going forward towards where I'm at now, I turned, like I said, that it hurt into a passion to expose other people about what they can take care of and put in place um, so that they don't have to go through pain that I went through if I can use that as a, a, a way to express and and heal for myself and help others at the same time then that's what I'm gonna do and I've loved it ever since I've was been with your, the company for about two and a half years now oh, that's yeah. good was your stepfather and did he have his orders in in place no they didn't and I so guess neither of them did. you know what's yeah. some funny for me we didn't grow up knowing a lot of resources and things like that. And um, they worked at the VA, so they had the uh, possibility of getting those resources. But no one sat down and talked to them and, and exposed to them how important those things are. Mm-hmm. And we didn't know as, as the kids as well. So when I got into the financial services, it, it started to make sense how important and those things are because even for me in my car accident had I had something I could have pulled out something that would have paid my medical bills which I had over a hundred and fifty thousand in um and the same for my mom we could have you know made sure that we didn't have to come out of pocket which would have been beneficial to me and my brothers and things like that as well as for my father one major accident or illness can devastate a family oh yeah absolutely tremendously tremendously we're where do you go, let's just say you're 20, 20, 30. I don't, especially, I don't think people in that age group really think about that kind of thing. So let's talk about the financial services. I know yeah. we're going to go 180 yeah, no, from the, the poll, which is super interesting. Um, but I think this is an important subject as well. Mm-hmm. And I actually, to be honest, didn't know it was going to come up. So yeah. this is great. <laughs> Having just experienced this with my parents. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, before I moved cross country, here to Los Angeles, mm-hmm. um, I thought, well, it's time. I need mm-hmm. to put my stuff in order. I have some things, you know, I have a, I have enough going on. Mm-hmm. So what about people who think, ah, oh, I, I don't have that much. It's still important for medical directive. Mm-hmm. I, there's a thing I keep in my wallet now that says, hey, if I'm incapacitated, these are the people to contact. Right. Okay, perfect. Yeah, and Amazing. this is my, whether I'm a DNR or not, do mm-hmm. not resuscitate or not. Mm-hmm. There's all this stuff. I don't think people even 
begin to to come into that realm of understanding that that is so important and that you are a perfect the, example this the, 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 the i'm not going to say it's the smallest but when i say the smallest is the smallest big thing because for me that situation happened my aunt was the conservator of my mom so because she was conservator we could not talk to the doctors we couldn't find anything about what's going on with my mom and her care and her progress they had to relate it to my aunt and at that time we were not really on good terms with her given the circumstances so we were left them behind um and she did not have a dnr or anything like that she, there wasn't a health directive that says hey if if i'm incapacitated you know speak to this there was none of that who made that decision then to take her off life support we collectively as a family was able to officially speak with my aunt and um, she just was pretty much started to just be the middleman and say, whatever the family wants, just let them do it. So we were we were able to get some type of control back from it. Um, yeah. But it was still harsh. Death is a complicated, happens to all of us, we're dying yeah. right now, but yeah. it, it is a complicated subject. It is, it is. I mean, at the end of the day, people don't realize that if you don't have those pieces of papers in order, definitely, like you said, a, at least a health directive, um, they can't speak with you. Yeah. Uh, probably like your mom, but like anybody else wise, or even if it's your husband or wife. Yeah. Sorry. And there may not. be some family members you don't want making that decision. Exactly. That's another big thing. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. In mine, it says if I have brain trauma at all, that the people I've determined um, they have to read a particular book and any updated articles and then contact. Uh, one of my neuroscience friends and then See? after those conversations are had then they get to decide whether I'm a lost class or not. Wow. That was very specific. Yeah. But again, like you said, it's a conversation that, you know, people don't want to talk about. Yeah. But as as much as it sounds, death and taxes is something we're not gonna, you know, avoid. Right. And Definitely when it comes to just having those things in order, there is a peace of mind. And the peace of mind is that the there is going to be a burden. And rather people say, oh, well, just, you know, cremate me and, you know, spread me in the sea. No, that still costs. If someone says, well, you know what, um, I don't care what you guys do. Whatever we do, that still is going to cost. The only thing that won't cost is you donating your body. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, with a lot of things that we see on TV, we don't know if your body's really going to go to a real donation center or if you're going to be cut in pieces and, and sold on the black market. Oh, my God. So, what? unfortunately, there's there's just so many things. So, if you don't have that will in place to state your wishes. Well, I know of a very reputable uh, place to donate one's body. Mm. Uh, in fact, Donnie Studman, Dr. Studman was on the show. Mm. And so, I will, I'll put that information Definitely. for anyone listening Please. on there if you do want to donate your body. <laughs> Where are you now with your recovery and your healing? Do you, ha- do you get trauma flashbacks or do you still remember nothing? I don't remember anything. Okay. And well, because we're not mercy. remembering, I don't have PTSD. Wonderful. I believe that if I seen it and felt the impact, like I said, I probably have nightmares waking up seeing it in that. But that's why I believe that God spared me that because he wanted my mental to be so focused and determined to achieve any goals that's set in front of me. And that's been pretty much the way that it has been. Mm-hmm. Um I speak to a lot of people um, about my accident and not in the form of you have to go through what I went through, but in the just mental toughness, whatever it is that you set your mind to and you stay focused and you stay consistent, you will achieve it. 
but it's going to take some time and it's going to take some patience, which I have a whole lot of people say. And I think that's for me, that's what helped me be able to stay focused every day saying, I'm going to walk again. I'm going to walk again. Because had I not encouraged myself to do that, like I said, Susan, I don't know if I would have a limp to this day or an impairment or still be uh, considered disabled. And so I currently to this literally this year tomorrow I actually have an appointment to go back to therapy um I have to stay in ortho um as I get older because I feel like I don't want to get to a point to where I get a little older and then it really starts affecting me so I try and stay as active as possible and that's what they want me to do and what's crazy is too because it happened when I was pretty young like in my mid-20s you know I still was in a growing phase. So I feel like my body was able to recover enough to sustain what I needed to do. Um, certain shoes I wear, like if I wear flats all day, like, oh, it hurts my my whole core, definitely my legs because of that friction. Um, but people say, well, then how can you be in heels? It's a total difference though. My body's already been aligned to um, dancing on my feet and you know pointed toe and stuff like that. So again, that's just muscle memory things like that so you did ballet and and ballet jazz yeah. modern hip-hop salsa Polynesian, african like i had to immerse myself in all cultures all forms of dance if i was going to be able to teach how do you how do you come to terms with that you here you are and i know we're going backwards a mm-hmm. little bit but i do think it's certainly we're touching on how do you wrap your head around this whole dream that you had you worked so hard toward taken in an instant um you know that's interesting i remember the day um that i got home that show so you think you can dance was on it's it was like the first season and i remember watching it bawling in tears like i'm supposed to be there on there i feel like now actually you know it's a good question I had a friend that I sat down with and I was telling her about the situation and she's like you know what Danielle you have it in you just because you physically may not be able to do it you know how it's supposed to look you know how it's supposed to uh view wise when when they do a certain move so um I'm I'm gonna still teach but it's more from a verbal stand part and and like help at that time Mm. um I have a good friend in Long Beach that has a studio that wants me to come out there and and help and do some teaching and I've been asked a whole lot so I haven't actually pulled in about if not probably like two years now so unfortunately I do kind of got to get back in but so far (laughs) it's just going to the gym and just staying um consistent so my body doesn't get static yeah i still do that yeah Yeah. well and your muscle like you said muscle memory yeah clicks back in yeah it does when people listening uh who are on their own journeys whatever they may be and they are facing their own plateaus any uh advice don't give up don't quit when we quit we're we're psyching ourselves out to say that we can't do something and words are very important words and thoughts are very much important and they manifest into reality so what you think of you become and what you say is also what you become so instead of saying a lot of like I can't do this or I'm tired I don't want it was always okay I have to do this let me do this so just affirmations if that's a better way of saying it saying positive things I am going to do this you know or even setting a goal time saying by this day I want to achieve this um 
And it just keeps going back to consistency and mental toughness. A lot of people may not be exposed to it or even have that confidence. But once you start living and walking and saying those things and rewriting your words and, and saying it in a positive aspect, you start to embody that and you start feeling that way. And the next thing you know, skies is the limit. God will make sure that you can do anything that you put your mind to. Now, if you say you can't do it, he's going to say, OK, then you can. I'm not going to give it to you. But if you say that I will and I can't, he's like, you will and you can. And I'm going to make sure you do it. Yeah, that's it. Amen to that. <laughs> <laughs> How can people find you if they want lessons or, or whatever it is you're Definitely. doing? Definitely. Yeah. Well, for my um, for my pole fitness class, you can reach me at Dynasty Pole Fitness. Um, that's on IG. And for any bookings, whether it's for fashion um, shows, coordination, artists, um, events, and as well as performers, that's going to be Coffee Brown Entertainment on IG. And in the financial services, um, when it comes to if you need proper protection, retirement planning, or anything when it comes to just making sure that your family um, is in a, a protected state to where you feel confident if something was to happen to you, they wouldn't have to lack in resources or lifestyle. Um, you can reach me on my IG at um, Danielle WFG on Instagram. Dan- Danielle WFG mm-hmm. on Instagram. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I'll put links on Hey Human Podcast link page as well. But Excellent. does it is it state to state or is it anyone can contact anyone in any anyone. state anyone. Yeah. okay i wasn't sure if there were laws saying oh well if you live in tennessee you can only do oh no no that's what i love about this my company um we just went to a convention just my second convention um and it's over forty thousand asians out there just hungry for knowledge of how we can help um families change their lives and the experience that i've got from it is just just reach out. If, if it's any questions that you want to know, I'm more than willing to sit down. If there's a presentation that you want me to expose um, your employees or, or family or people to, just reach out and I'll be there. I think, too, you have a, an extra empathy for it because of your mm-hmm. own experience. Mm-hmm. For sure. Seriously, anytime I'm in a situation where I see someone in a wheelchair, I'd be like, I know how you feel. Um, like currently my, my mother-in-law, she's in a convalescent. She had a stroke a couple of years ago, so she can't walk. Um, and she's bedridden. So I remember when I first met her, <laughs> she, I walked in the room and I just gave her the biggest hug. And I was like, oh my God, I know how you feel. And she's looking at me like, what do you mean? It's like, I told her the story. And then ever since then, we had a good bond on that because I really can empathize from being an active moving person to where like, you need help from someone or someone to assist you whether it's getting dressed going to the bathroom even bathing and showering yourself I yeah mean, you have there's a there's a whole body shame around that i'm sure it, as it well. is it is i always remember this one time that i was still in the bed situation and i, I turned over the wrong way and I couldn't turn back over. And so I was yelling at the time for my stepdad, like, help, help, help. Literally, he came and helped me. But it's just in that vulnerable moment, it was just like, man, I cannot wait to just get better. And that's something to remember, too. Whenever we see someone out in the world who maybe is in a wheelchair or, you know, disabled in some yeah, way, yeah. that it's it's not pity that they're seeking it's an empathy it's understand that they are in an extraordinarily vulnerable space very much and 
to be cognizant of that, I think, is important. It you is. know, the more love. Just always know. with love is the best policy, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think it is. Yeah. I think it overall, overall, I, I try to make sure that all of my business, it's, they get something from it. Yeah. Meaning, whether it's inspiration, motivation, or even assistance. I love that all the things you do are so interconnected, that they all surround, that it's all about joy and uh, and a plan yeah. and an understanding. It's all woven it in is. there. And, and even in the financial field regarding just the industry itself, think of a lot of really profound artists like uh, Prince and Aretha and, and John Singleton. They had lots of assets but they weren't in order yeah which blew my mind when i learned that i thought of all people why was nobody stepping up to say let's make sure everything's together so you you would think like for me to be able to leverage that and now i can expose artists as well as other people in the industry about the importance of that yeah this is just i love what i do now i'm i'm in a stage in my life where like i really have a meaningful purpose that's a good word to say. Yeah. It's a purpose now. Yeah. So when I look back at the accident, like you said, like, how did I take it? At the time, it was like, oh, my God, why? But further now, I'm like, now I know why I went through this. It is to inspire others and to do others and show people that they can do it, too. Yeah. Whatever it is they want to do. Daniel, thank you. Oh, thank, thank you for you sharing so all of this with me. And thank you for being so open when we met. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate you so much for staying in contact with me so that we can do this amazing interview. Absolutely. I'm glad I was able to make it. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review Hey Human on iTunes.